0: Here I am again. Yeah, here we are again. Thank you. Hope your uh, morning is going a little bit more uh, stably than mine is. That's uh, a confusing. A lot of U's, you know? A lot of shows on Z1077 start with the letter U. uh, Oh, is that right? Causing some mix-ups here. Sorry about that. No worries. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about that cold snap. You know, if uh, people should be concerned, by the way, I know I got this question multiple times before. I I told some folks I'd be, uh, you know, on today, hope Mm -hmm. they're Sitting through this, <laughs> bearing with me. Right. But yeah, they asked about uh, dealing with their desert plants in the cold and that it's been so cold now for so long, they're starting to get worried that if it doesn't warm up fast enough, they might lose some of their plants, maybe some of their succulents, things like
1: that. Well, succulents, you're always cold sensitive anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so you always got to protect them. As far as the natives go, the natives are just totally enjoying all this. Oh. um it's you know it's making spring a little bit later because of the cold interesting um so in fact i haven't even restocked the nursery yet oh wow, because you you know we're cold here, and i don't want to bring material in because if you bring material in from a lower elevation right even if it's cold hardy uh to go from a lower elevation where it's this temperature mm. and then up here it can't acclimate fast enough, and so it, it can get damaged.
2: Oh, no. And then
1: a lot of things, too, that would normally start blooming now. Yeah. They're blooming later because it's been cold. Where we right. go in Southern California? Spring comes and, later. Uh, and yeah. so everything's delayed. <coughs> Pardon me. So I haven't even started stocking the nursery yet. So oh, I'm hoping okay. to be – my goal is to be on the road this week and have some material for the next weekend coming up.
0: That sounds like something people should maybe look out for if they're even going to a different nursery or something.
1: They may all be doing Well, definitely. You know, you know there's – uh, you know, a couple of nurseries in town that are stocking a lot of material. A lot of it doesn't even really do well here, mm-hmm. uh, but they bring it in, and it's, you know, in bloom and everything else. Right. Uh, I mean, there's even, you know, I would even refrain from planting, which I uh, mentioned this last week, too, because of the cold, the ground temperature is still cold, and if you plant vegetables, like Um, melons, tomatoes, squashes, eggplant, things like that. Mm. If you plant them too early, normally, again, you would have already have them in the ground. Yeah. Uh, Because we're looking at, you know, May or April coming up here. Right. But uh, when the ground temperature is cold, then what can happen is you can actually stunt the plant and it never really performs the way it should. Mm. And so not only do you want good atmospheric temperature, but you also want the... Atmospheric temperature to raise the ground temperature. Right, yeah. And uh, so I would even refrain from planting other than if you're going to plant any leaf or root crops, then now would be a great time. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as anything that you're going to be eating the fruit of, that flowers and fruits, which would be tomatoes and eggplants and melons and cucumbers and squashes, all Mm -hmm. that. Those are all your late spring through summer into fall crop. Oh. And uh I would refrain for you know at least another couple of weeks and see what the weather's going to do.
0: Right, right. And it might be a leap does like but does the wind maybe not give the a chance for the ground to heat up since it's kind of like when we do get a chance for some warm air it feels like that's right when the winds come and kind of blow it all away from us or uh, to a, a degree
1: leap? but it just takes really just nice warm days. Oh, okay. There, and that will gradually warm up the temperature temperature. Yeah, and that just happens with the changes with time. Yeah, you gotta
0: wait, right? Yeah. Exactly. And if, by the way, folks, if you are waiting for a chance to call in, please do. 760 366 8471.
1: If you have your own questions for Mike Branning here on uh, mm-hmm. the Unique Garden Show. Okay. I know last week we spoke about the parasite witches broom that's getting in on a lot of the local natives as well as some other non native trees like mesquites and mm. palaverdi. And one thing I wanted to – I don't think I made clear last week is if the tree is extremely infested, um, you know, ideally, you know, if you have, like, a cat claw, if the whole plant is just one big witch's broom clump, then you can actually take it down to the ground and let it come back and renew itself. Interesting. But if you have a mesquite or a palo Verde or, say, a uh, California juniper, you really can't do that. Right, right. So – you know, what you want to do is cut out, if, if the tree or the shrub is really heavily infested, cut out all that you can without destroying the aesthetics and the appearance and the size of the plant. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. by staying on top of things like that, right. then even though it has it, the plant can live with it so long as you don't let it get out of control and let the balls get bigger and bigger. Yeah. So take out the bigger balls, cut out what you can. And uh, because, again, like I mentioned, witch's broom, when it gets totally in control to that size and you have a lot of balls on the plant, then it goes from being an individual parasite growth, it'll actually root into the plant cambium layer and then start popping out all throughout the plant. And the cambium layer, sorry, what is that? The cambium layer is the life source. It's like veins in people. Oh, right. So, you know, whatever is created through the sun as far as energy right. is taken down to the roots through the cambium layer. Gotcha. And whatever be it water or be it nutrition from the ground, yeah. going into the plant, mm. it'll also return to the plant through the cambium layer. Got it. So yeah, it's so the life source for the tree. It's like a stomach and a heart and everything. <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> everything. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. Amazing. And so um, once it roots in, then it's hard to eradicate. Yeah. And so, again, rather than you know cutting it back to the point of destroying the aesthetics of that shrub, so long as you keep the large balls cut out, yeah, then you can— the plant will basically have the upper hand, and it can live with the parasite so long as you don't let the balls get too big or out of control. So it's a
0: pretty hardy plant. Still,
1: just you—you you do need
0: to help it along with getting rid of. Those you just
1: got to keep the make sure that the witch's broom stays in control, yeah. and doesn't overcome the plant, and the plant can still live and be healthy and coexist with that parasite, um, um, and then you can still enjoy the plant.
0: Interesting. So, did, and there's like you know at least the benefit of not losing the plant. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Uh folks, 8471 Z one oh seven seven unique garden show with Mike Branning.
1: Another thing I wanted to bring up too is uh, we're into that year where people are getting spring fever and wanna start planting things. And a lot of people are get into wanting to plant fruit trees. And you know, fruit trees do very well out here. And what you want to do is, you know, depending upon where you live depends on what will do well here. So if you live in the Yucca Valley, Joshua Tree, Landers, Flamingo area, and uh, parts of Morongo Valley, then you can grow virtually everything. Um, And then when you get into the warmer parts of the Morongo Basin, like 29 Palms, and down in the heart of Morongo Valley, then when you want to plant things like apples uh, or a peach, then they'll grow well, mm. but you want to be sure to plant a variety that will also fruit well. Yeah. Also, is there something
0: there with those like those uh, those plants that fruit very watery fruits versus like maybe stone fruit or something that's maybe a little less watery? Those that cold kind of disrupting
1: their well, the, freezing some of that in there. Well, depending upon the variety of fruit, like apples and and some peaches and pears and cherries, <coughs> they need X amount of chilling hours in order to perform well. And so that's where you get into the varieties. Like if you wanted to plant an apple, say in 29 palms, you're not going to, even though it'll grow, but you're not going to get the the produce out of a Red Delicious or a Gravenstein or a Fuji, things like that. But you can plant the Gordon apple, the Beverly Hills apple, the Anna apple, and they're cultivated to Require less chilling hours to set fruit. So you can plant any of those and they'll do very well. If you get into peaches, there's a peach called desert peach, um, which does very well. And so that way you can still have fruit trees in those uh, lower areas where you don't get the winter chilling hours. But in the areas that I mentioned a minute ago, Yucca, Josh, Flamingo, Landers, we do get enough winter chilling hours. And so then you can grow all of the above, and they do very well. Oh, that's amazing. It's actually really fascinating to hear
0: that there are so many plants that can kind of modify and adjust and adapt all throughout that wintertime. We have a (coughs) caller with us. sounds like Glenn from 29 Palms has a question regarding the... uh, spring cleaning that I'm sure a lot of us are going through right now. There's a whole lot of spring cleaning going on right now. Glenn, you're on the air with Mike and DJ Freddie G. Can you hear us?
2: Oh, yeah. Hi, Mike. Hi, Freddie. Hi, hey,
1: Glenn. How you doing?
2: Good. Um, so what I'm going to be doing is some spring cleaning coming up in two weeks. And it's a uh, garage that has a lot of art studio, and we're going to go ahead and get a storage unit and U-Haul and everything there. But last year around July, it was still pretty hot. Um, We had some really bad winds and the back door by the washer and dryer flew open and I was on vacation. So for four days, it was open. So I'm thinking snakes got in there because it was July. Closed it all up and it's been sealed since then. And it's a garage, so it doesn't have insulation. If any snakes got there in July of last year, do you think they could have survived this winter in there?
1: Uh, That's a pretty long stretch from July till now. Now, if there were, uh, you know, rodents in the garage and they had a food source to feed from, then they would still be alive. A
2: lot of of rodents poop. I've been slowly getting in there and cleaning it up, putting my mask on. Uh, I've noticed, but it could be for a few, few months or whatever. But
1: um, what about? Do you think Osprey? they could have
2: survived the cold? Oh,
1: sorry. They would. Well, especially if they're in a, in a garage, <clears throat> then they'd have areas where they could, you know, because hi- snakes hibernate for the winter, right? And so, by hibernating, you know, they lay low all during the winter anyway. So there wouldn't be an issue with them hibernating and, and you know being fine. And so, again, they're not going to eat during the winter months. But uh, right around now, they're going to start coming out of hibernation. And, again, if if the rats are there or the mice, then they'll have a food source. So there could still be snakes in there if you think some got in there. And what you need to do is, you know, when you do, you know, go in is, uh, you know, just be cautious. And maybe before you get into a certain work area that you're going to work is have a – you know, use the back of a hoe or a stick or something like that, oh, and kind of poke around yeah. in those areas. And again, if you have a, a a gopher snake or a red racer, you know they uh, might scare you because they're a snake, uh, but they're not going right. to hurt you at all. All you have to worry about would be the rattlesnake. The rattlesnake. And, um yeah. So and you know and snakes aren't out to get you. So if you were to poke around with the stick. If there's a stick yeah. in that area, he's going to let you know by rattling his tail, and then you'll oh, know that there's one that. there, and then you can take okay. precautions to work around that. Um, right.
2: So, what we're going to do is open the doors and slowly start, start taking things out, bringing them into the uh, the um, driveway. We're going to have a dumpster and a story and a, a U haw. Right. The good stuff in the U haw, the other stuff, and then we're going to be sweeping. The rat poop with the mask. on. I told my nephew, wear a mask. So we'll sweep that and have the stick and start hitting and work our way into. <laughs> it's not a big place, but it's big enough there. It's a garage.
0: And right. you definitely don't want to forget about the items that you pull out. From those, I've been living here a long time, and sometimes they find a way inside something. Well,
1: yeah, if you have you know boxes that were closed, yes. but they weren't taped yeah. off. Mm-hmm. Then they can get inside okay. the boxes as yeah, well. Absolutely, or rats choose okay, to just, a box, and we're,
2: we're just going to have to be really cautious. We're yeah. going to do it, in but again, you know, they do not have to game, get so. you. I
1: know uh, there was one time I was going for a hike, and I'm climbing up the side of this mountain, and uh, I got within a few feet of a rattlesnake, which I never saw. But he started rattling his tail, saying, "Hey, dude, I'm—you mm-hmm. know—you're in my space." Yeah, they don't like us either, <laughs> you know. And so, by him letting me know that I was in his territory, um, right. then I just said, "You know, thanks," and I, you know, walked the other way. And so that way we could both coexist in the desert, and I could go on my walk, and he can, you know, stay where he's at. So again, Listen, they'll let you about. know. But if you startle yeah. them and you catch them off guard, then they're going to react right. because they're going to be defending okay. themselves. But uh, but but if you use a stick, you shouldn't have a problem at all.
2: Have a stick, have a hula ho with me, okay? Hit the thing, listen for the noise, and just slowly start taking stuff out. Exactly. And 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 then if you do
1: come across a a red racer or a gopher snake, Um, I'll let them go. Just you know, pick them up and put them out the back door and let them go,
0: or call a local rescue. Right? I think there's some. uh Local rescues. If you look around, maybe I'm not sure if you know any,
1: but I how
2: about know, how about scorpions? Would scorpions be something you gotta guess? You gotta watch for them in the corners too, huh?
1: Uh, scorpions definitely. You know, there again, if you're wearing gloves, you mm-hmm. wouldn't have a problem, mm-hmm. right? But okay. you know, if you have again, you know, a box that wasn't closed totally sealed, okay. be uh, just be cautious box. when you go to open that box and still wear your okay. gloves when you're opening the box, so that way if there was a scorpion in there or a black widow, then uh, you you're don't. not going to get you know stung or, or bit by that because you're going you to have your know, gloves on. Gloves.
0: Right. Yeah, Glenn, we have a lot, have lot of fun the the uh, neighbors and desert creatures here you have
1: to kind of look out for. Right.
2: Well, you know, they're yeah, just,
1: by having Good. the back door open, here, you know, you leave the door open literally for them to come in. Right, right. And, again, of whether it be... You know, uh, something that is potentially dangerous or something that isn't. Right. The door's open. They're going to say, you know, hey, Glenn's a pretty nice guy. Yeah. He's
0: opening the door <laughs> yeah. for us. And you know they what, Glenn? It
2: was a really bad wind that one time. that blew it open. They never did it before.
0: Hey, you know, Mike it uh, blew it open, makes yeah. a good point, Glenn. You are a very nice guy. Thank you so much for calling, and uh, I hope you are careful out there. Right. You get,
1: uh, you're, okay. Just thank you. Good. Good. you know, use have common sense day. and a stick and gloves, and shouldn't have a problem at all. Good. Uh, yeah absolutely okay. thank you Glenn I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll,
2: keep, I'll give you a call and let you know how it goes <laughs> please, <laughs> please do next week yeah
0: keep us posted bye All right, have a good okay. have a- now if you would like to call in um, during the Unique Garden Show we still
1: have some time here it's uh,
0: only 760-366-8471 to get a hold of
1: us okay you know so yeah so uh, again you, when you get into say cherries back to fruit trees um, mm-hmm. you can depend upon how much space you have If you have the space, you could buy a Bing and a Black Tartarian, because they would need each other to pollinate. If you're limited on space, you can use a a cherry called Stella cherry, Mm. and it's self-fertile. Oh, wow. And so that way, you only need the one to pollinate itself. That's so cool, yeah. And so you can do that. You know, and apples depend upon the variety. Some are self-fertile, some aren't. So be sure to (laughs) either check with whoever you're buying the tree from, or... There should be a tag on the tree as well, mm. and it'll say whether it's self-fertile or if it needs a pollinator. Oh, and attendee. the tag will usually always say <clears throat> what the best pollinator would be. Yeah, and uh, and then go that route.
0: That's handy.
1: And uh, and we spoke about pomegranates a while back, mm. but I wanted to just say again, pomegranates do very well whether you're in 29 yeah. or Yucca Valley, yeah, throughout the entire Morongo Basin. Yep. And most people don't really think a lot about pomegranates because it isn't something that you can just grab off the tree and no. eat. Something yeah. about it feels mandatory. You know, you too. have to take the time to split it open and take the kernels out, and it's yeah. time-consuming. It was fun as a kid. Um, and when you're a kid, it's yeah. a lot of fun, yeah. other than maybe getting in trouble because we you stained your clothes <laughs> yeah. and mom's mad at you. And maybe they weren't your um, pomegranates. <laughs> but as far as pomegranates go, again, they do extremely well here. And they're relatively drought tolerant. Yep. And what people don't know is that not only the pomegranate fruit, but also the leaves and the flowers are also very healthy for you. I didn't know that. That's uh, so you could actually, like most people. you know, again, the blooms, you want to let pollinate. So that way that'll give you the pomegranate. Oh. Uh, but you can even take the leaves off during the year and work them into your salad and whatnot. Wow. That's awesome. But, uh, but. Both, yeah, so the leaves, uh, the flowers, and the fruit are loaded with beneficial compounds. And pomegranate can also uh, decrease arterial plaque. And it can improve or reverse blood vessel damage. It improves improves blood pressure. Uh, It can control impaired glucose if you're a diabetic. It lowers your cholesterol. Jeez. It contains a number of anti-inflammatory nutrients, um, which can uh, help your overall health. Um, again, they, have a, they can guard against a wide range of related cardiovascular risks. They contain potassium, magnesium, uh, vitamin C. They're high in fiber. They're good for your bladder and your kidneys, Jeez. and this is all just one fruit. Yeah, this is like—I <clears throat> mean, how to amazing track- is that?
0: Yeah, that's like a—I uh, mean, it was it the ancient Greeks? I don't even remember. Were they very fond of the pomegranate? I'm trying to think of what culture it was, but there's there's someone out there who knew who caught right. on. Yeah, <laughs> but uh,
1: but yeah, most people don't even think of pomegranates other than no, no, no. You know, staying in your clothes when you're a kid or whatever. Yeah, and uh, they kind of look. And, and funny. again, you know, you can buy pomegranate juice. But keep in mind that when you buy the juice, yeah, they can't uh, be the you're eliminating a lot of the positive parts of that fruit because yeah. when they juice it, they're juicing it, but they're kicking out the pulp.
0: Yeah, there goes the fiber. Yeah, it's so all the fiber.
1: Yeah. And uh, so you're getting a lot more sugar than what you would normally get. Interesting, interesting. But if you have the tree, and what you can do is you can take the tree, and when you harvest the fruit, or if you buy pomegranate in the store— and then you can get a high-speed blender oh. and then put the entire, uh, not the skin, but right. all the, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. kernels the in fixings. the blender and hit warp speed yeah. and it'll blend it and it'll, you know, the, as far as the seeds and the fruit and everything, it'll all be pulverized. Things you normally wouldn't be able to
0: consume that easily anyway. Right. Now. Yeah. yeah. And,
1: uh, and then it's very drinkable.
0: Right. And it's got probably all those same... And like, everything handfuls. would be in it. Yeah. Right. Because amazing.
1: you didn't uh, d- delete the fiber and all the nutrients that are in the fiber right? and only leave yourself with the juice. Gotcha. That's like when you buy, even when you buy, you know, apple juice, if you buy filtered apple juice, right? then that's not nearly as healthy for you as See, buying like, unfiltered apple juice.
0: And that's something I feel like I heard before was right. the apple juice one, but you don't think, yeah, yeah, sometimes the pomegranate ones are a little more convincing, I feel like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe it's just packaging, but I'm like, yeah, this is healthy.
1: Yeah, right, <laughs> right. But, yeah, if you have room in your garden, definitely think about doing a pomegranate because whether you're young or old, um, pomegranates have a lot of, besides tasting really good. Yeah. And there's a number of things. Like I know when I use them, I uh, harvest my pomegranates again in the fall. Right. And then I spend many a night and sometimes during the week on the weekends (laughs) at the shop. People have come by there and seen me. Uh, that sounds right. This you sounds, know, sounds, taking pomegranate right. seeds out of the out of the Hulk, out of the bulk of it all. Yeah, and um, and I put them in baggies and freeze them. And uh, but I put them in. My smoothies. I put them in my applesauce. I have a couple other juices that I make that I put pomegranates in. Of course, why not? And uh, and then I have a fruit bowl that I make that I sprinkle pomegranates on top of the fruit bowl. Yeah, yeah. And um, so there's uh, a lot of uses this, for yeah, it. Yeah, if
0: I knew it did this many things, I would be eating it with a lot more, at least a lot more breakfasts.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can even put them in your cereal.
0: Oh, that's you know, right. yeah, you, yeah. As long
1: as mixed berries, you can put in whether it be strawberries or blueberries or whatever you can mix in some pomegranates into your cereal as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a number of, you don't have to just sit there and eat a bowl of pomegranate to get the benefits of it all. Um, You can mix it in with a lot of things and get the benefits of it and uh, enjoy consuming them.
0: Oh, how cool.
1: So uh, definitely think about pomegranates. And again, they do very well out here. Yeah. It's like a, and uh, you know, it's one of the few fruits that you can actually plant. Now when you get toward the end, when pomegranates are ripening, when they start to crack, then that's when the birds and the squirrels will get in there and start doing their thing. Oh, that's but yeah. uh, unlike apples and peaches and apricots that you know you're looking to see when they're going to ripen and and you go well any day now and the birds are thinking the Boom. very same missed thing. It. Yeah, it by And a day. so <laughs> you got the you get you give it a couple of days then you go out there and the birds or the squirrels already to got to them. Yeah, bechita. And uh, so with been so with this. Again, on the pomegranate, it's so hard that if you harvest them before they split, oh. then you'll get the whole pomegranate. You don't have to share it with the critters. Right, and they might
0: give up a little sooner on something that's harder to crack. And, right. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, it's it really does feel like something straight out of, like, my childhood being young and pulling down a neighbor's you know, pomegranate once or twice and feeling like, oh, wow, this Mm -hmm. is such a cool fruit. And then like, whoop, just throwing it over your shoulder and be like, well, that was enough of that. It's hard to get into. (laughs) Yeah. Not knowing how to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. I think any kids have that story to tell.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's funny, like you've brought up apples peaches things like that it's like those are things you almost never have that issue with right i mean there's mm-hmm. nothing there to stop you and, right and um but it always feels like they're behind fences they're in like a bigger row crop or something a pomegranate is something that i feel like i see a tree here i see a tree there right it's in somebody's front yard mm-hmm. and they're totally picking it they're having fun giving them away instead of like you know something like an apple tree in an orchard where you know that exactly gets protected yeah it's really neat it's like pomegranates are kind of like a fruit for everybody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You might as well, yeah. Yeah. Helps
1: you in a lot of ways. Exactly.
0: Basically takes care of itself.
1: (laughs) So yeah, not only are they good tasting, again, there's a little bit of work involved in getting them, you know, all the seeds taken out. But other than that, uh, they taste good. They're really healthy for you. And it's definitely worth a spot in your yard. Awesome. Well, that's really great to hear. And I think a lot of
0: our uh, guests could benefit from maybe... Sounds like putting a, p- a pomegranate tree in it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so, Mike. Uh, so much, Mike. This is uh, our time. I wish we okay. could have a little more, but yeah. Thanks for have sharing. A great day. You too. Take care. And if you want to keep listening to Z 1077 stay tuned.
1: Thanks for listening to the Unique Garden Show, hosted by Mike Branning of Unique Garden Center. Join us again next week at the same time, 8:30 to 9 a.m., with your questions and calls right here on Z1077. For more information, call Mike at 365-1511.